0: Between the golden age of Atlantis and the rise of recorded history, there were ages undreamed of. Hither came heroes and villains possessing swords and magic, whose deeds became tales and legends. I have come to relate these sagas. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. High Adventure Podcast. I am your host, the probably not-so-adventurous Clinton Robinson. But that's okay, because we're here to share in adventures. Because, by golly, fantasy comics, adventures, sword and sorcery, we love them, right folks? Absolutely. That's why you're listening to this, because you're not doing it for me. But anyway, I digress. Joining in adventures is exactly the, the wonderful premise for today, because I have a guest with me on the show. You might know him as the Conway Hoodie of podcasting. You might even know him as, uh, you know, that crazy guy who talks about Marvel Comics. Whatever. I know him as Dave. That's right, folks. It is J. David Weeder. Welcome to the show, Dave.
1: Bye, Crom. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> well, now, you know, I didn't know we were going to take things so seriously here. but
1: Oh, there's no half measures in, in Conan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that is very true. And that's why we love him, isn't it, folks? <laughs> oh, so we've given introductions about Conan. Two or three different times on this show however uh i haven't given an introduction to dave much so dave how did you get to know conan and fantasy comics
1: uh by accident um conan specifically if you remember around the time the original conan the barbarian movie came out there was a cartoon on tv called thundar the barbarian <laughs> my mother came in and argued with me that I was telling her I was watching Thundar. She's like, no, it's Conan the Barbarian. No, it's it's Thundar. I know what I'm talking about. Thinking that the movie was some way related to the cartoon, she took me to the drive-in where I experienced Conan for the first time, parts of it with a pair of hands over my eyes, <laughs> for obvious reasons. And I fell in love with it. And I would pick up the you know ratty copies as I found them here and there. And I just really dug Conan a lot. And then as an adult, where... It was a little bit easier to get a hold of inexpensive copies of Conan uh, collections. That's when I got into Robert E. Howard and his, his works and just kind of uh, went from there into the Dark Horse comics, into the uh, current Marvel run, anywhere I could get my hands on them. Because I just – it's just it's, – it's fantasy in a way that's just expressive of some of the pent-up frustrations we have with Civilization.
0: <laughs> I'm just, I cannot imagine your mother's reaction.
1: <laughs> well, we didn't leave because I think there was a double feature and she wanted to watch a movie after that. But I got <laughs> the good parts of Conan. Not the best parts. Um,
0: <laughs> not the best parts to, you know, Dave's five-year-old eyes. But yeah.
1: And I think, I think we can all agree that Conan is not what you would call a role model. So I, I was not to take after him, which has served me well.
0: And does have some aspects that are, you know, worthy of imitation. He's loyal to his friends. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like when someone double-crosses him, and he makes it well-known.
1: How uh, does he make it well-known, though? <laughs> <laughs> With a sword or an axe. Yeah.
0: Well, he makes sure it doesn't happen again.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say he was the perfect role model. No.
1: He's, he's, yeah, he's Conan. It's the best way you could put it.
0: As everyone on this podcast is going to eventually get tired of me hearing, he is a man of great melancholies and great mirth.
1: Yes, indeed. An unquenchable thirst.
0: (laughs) He knows what he wants and he goes to find it.
1: Okay, you know what? I think you can make a, a pretty compelling uh, motivational video about <laughs> about Conan. I think you're turning me around, even. It's <laughs> a goal setter. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, if you just like completely throw out all the parts that aren't admirable,
1: yeah, which are a lot, but mm. I still love him. <laughs>
0: Well, folks, Dave has agreed to join me on this adventure today where we look at Conan the Barbarian number four from Marvel Comics. That is Conan the Barbarian volume one, not the more recent series, if everyone is keeping track. The story is called The Tower of the Elephant and it is adapted from the original Robert E. Howard Tower of the Elephant story. Published originally all the way back in 1933. This is probably the first adapt- direct adaptation that we're actually covering on the show. So you know, this should be interesting.
1: Yep. First one for this series as well. Because the previous issue did adapt to Robert E. Howard's story. I think it was the previous issue. The Twilight of the Grim Gray God. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. Twilight of the Grim Gray God but it was not a Conan story. It was adapted to a Conan. This is the first direct adaptation. That's right. just going to drop the nerd nuggets.
0: <laughs> no, no, you're fine. That is what we need on this show. So this issue was written by, you guessed it, folks, Roy Thomas. Penciler was Barry Smith, not Barry Windsor Smith at this time yet. Don't worry, folks. He, he's, he's still bringing his A-game. <laughs> Inker was Sal Buscema, which is kind of surprising me. Yeah. Colorist Mimi Gold. Litterer was Sam Rosen. And I, in true Conan fashion, stole this synopsis from the Marvel Fandom Wikia because, quite frankly, I was too lazy to type it out, and this worked just fine for me.
1: There's no judgment here. Work smarter, not harder.
0: <laughs> uh, now if I could only, you know, climb sheer glass like Conan. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. A slaver boasting of his re- recent acquisition Yes, folks you know, put two and two together here, catches the attention of Conan when he mentions a jewel secreted. Excuse me, secreted? Almost said secreted. that, (laughs) That would have been... Oh my goodness. Okay, let's just start this one all the way over because that just got... Yeah. A slaver boasting of his recent acquisition catches the attention of Conan when he mentions a jewel secreted in the Tower of the Elephant. The rogue mocks Conan's interest in the impossible-to-obtain gem, which is never a smart thing to do. Leaving the dead Kothian's body behind, Conan approaches the gated tower and observes Yara, the tower's mysterious occupant, enter, but Conan doesn't notice that the priest's feet do not touch the ground. Conan scales the wall and discovers another thief. Taurus, also in the courtyard. Taurus uses a poison gas to slay some guard lions, and the two thieves climb to the top of the tower. Taurus, attempting to leave Conan behind, sneaks into a door, but immediately falls out, dead. Conan warily enters the room and discovers it filled with treasure, but also encounters the room's guardian, a giant poisonous spider. Conan defeats the monster and descends into a lower chamber where he encounters a green humanoid creature with an elephantine head. The lonely blind creature introduces itself as Kosha and explains to a terrified Conan his alien nature and capture by Yara. The fabled gem, the heart of the elephant, is what keeps Kosha captive and Yara extremely powerful. He begs Conan to kill him, which Conan does. Conan then takes the gem to a sleeping Yara, who is mystically swallowed by the gem. Conan can see a fully healed and powerful Gyagkosha inside the gem take his final revenge on his captor. With its occupant's death, the Tower of the Elephant begins to crumple, and Conan flees just in time to see it collapse into a pile of shards. And that is a very brief summary of what happens in the Tower of the Elephant. So, before we dive directly into thoughts on this, uh, Dave, uh, well, you, you told me off uh, off recording what version you were reading from in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but r- remind me again, you're reading the. You said you weren't reading the omnibus.
1: I I did I did not pull out the omnibus. I pulled out the I bought one on comicsology because I didn't want to wield the omnibus while recording.
0: Okay. Uh, just for listener reference, I'm reading from The Chronicles of Conan version put out by Dark Horse, even though this was a Marvel book, you know, Dark Horse had the Conan rights at the time. I've told you before in episodes, this is a complicated thing on Conan on the
1: rights. Yeah, cuz now Marvel is publishing the Dark Horse stuff under, yep. under in their epic collections, which is worth reading. Just for everybody's sake.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, you know, since we're kind of sidestepping into that, the Dark Horse stuff, at least read the first 12 to 15 issues or so, Mm -hmm. because that is some. That's like a wonderful epic right there. Yeah. So, okay. That means uh, your version has the cover, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mine does not include the. The covers for the issues but to the best of my remembrance it has conan trying to save a damsel in distress from a giant spider
1: yep and surrounded by treasure
0: yeah which is only halfway of a scene that actually happens yeah in the... <laughs> this seems to become a running theme with conan books like does this scene actually happen in the story
1: more often than not, it's no. Oddly enough, with with a tinge of a maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, so think you've got an issue where the story doesn't even match the cover at all because it was a it was a reprint or something. I, I think that was what yeah it was where they reprinted issue number one, and the cover is what was intended to be the cover with the vulture. I can't remember what his name, but it was a it was a theme, mm-hmm. a themed villain. Not to be confused with Spider-Man's vulture.
0: Um, So, I mean, just based on the cover alone, I'm sure we all would have picked it up because, I mean, those... The Conan covers were kind of like X-Men covers back in the day, you know? They were just meant to really entice you to buy the book. It didn't matter if what, what was on the cover happened or not. No. You're you're just kind of like I want to see this scene or something similar.
1: I just I just want to see sword meeting the head of this beast, or I want to see that lady getting saved. Yeah, <laughs> Winds, Barry Windsor Smith does great covers pretty consistently too.
0: Okay, so. Diving into the story itself. Uh, Sometimes collections like to put this pretty much like the Marvel stories did. This is Conan pretty much in the early days of his wandering career. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's definitely a younger Conan because he's eager to show off.
1: Yeah, and also in comparison, remember, this is the third Conan story published. The first two had him as king. So you had the Phoenix and the sword and then Scarlet Citadel. This is an, that was an older Conan. This is the prequel of sorts. This is the, I believe it's still considered the earliest Robert E. Howard Conan story following it. follows those two. So it's, I assume at that time it would have been jarring.
0: Well, especially since, you know, Phoenix on the sword is a reworked Cole story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this probably is like the first time he actually sat down to write a Conan.
1: Oh, I believe it. It still feels, although he didn't keep a tight chronology or tight continuity, it still feels a piece of that same same lifespan.
0: Right, and, and I, I've said it time and time again, and I will, pretty much every time there's a Conan story, there is no... Real chronology of Conan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you basically have like the three stages of Conan's life. You have uh, life in Samaria. You have life outside of Samaria, and you have Conan as the king. Yep, that that's basically it.
1: And there's there's strengths and weaknesses to all three versions.
0: Right. Uh, essentially, you could think of uh, Conan stories like uh, Legends of Hercules it's not so much when they happen, it's the fact that they happened. Yeah. And you just want to, <laughs> you know, you want to hear the story of what happened.
1: Yeah, it's 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 like, I just, I want to be regaled with a cool story. I'm not going to be upset if some of the details are, you know, not up to snuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't... uh you can't be a continuity cop and sit there and be like, well, you know, Conan didn't, you know, he didn't have the yak helmet yet. Yeah. <laughs> or, or no, he already tossed it aside. Why is he wearing it now? And
1: Although one of the goals that Roy Thomas came in with was to try to build a loose chronology. Because I think Roy Thomas. Because he's Roy Thomas, yeah. And I think he succeeds for the most part.
0: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, having a Conan chronology and and going back to the Dark Horse ones, you know, they they do a similar thing with the uh, you know with the Robert E. Howard stories and kind of piece them together. Uh, I'm I'm sure we've all read the Lynn Carter and Elsprog de Kemp pastiches and stuff, and when they would publish Conan books more or less trying to make a chronology and and sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't
1: it was a bold attempt i'll give him that <laughs> yeah
0: i mean anybody who's willing to put out that much effort you know you got to applaud them. but
1: i don't i don't have the strength and i'm <laughs> i can't imagine what that would be like
0: oh i can imagine it it's like trying to figure out exactly what order all the Simpsons episodes happen in because oh. I will fully attest you know, if you're going to try and make an actual chronology out of it which you shouldn't, it's not intended that way I will always say that those episodes are not shown in chronological order
1: I believe it I mean, kind of like Batman the Animated Series not right. in chronological order unless you've got the Blu-rays and then you production order <laughs>
0: And even then, that's no guarantee there.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. The best way to put it with Conan is why you shouldn't really do the the chronology or really put that much effort in um, at that level. Conan is popcorn movie, you know, summer popcorn blockbuster. You don't go to it thinking it's going to be Shakespeare or Oscar worthy. You go to it to munch your popcorn and get entertained. <laughs> It has occasional moments of, of enlightenment, but for the most part, mm-hmm. you know what you're getting with the Conan story.
0: It's Kind of like when people want to tell you that the theme of the Fast and Furious movies is family.
1: No, it's cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, dude. No, no. You don't have to front.
0: <laughs> no, <enjoy laughs> we were talking what about... Everybody yeah. can enjoy what they enjoy. Just admit you enjoy it because you enjoy it. Don't... You know, you don't have to make it into something that's, you know, worthy of of note or going to win you a Nobel Prize for liking it or something. Just enjoy things that you enjoy.
1: Yeah. So did you enjoy this issue? Because <laughs> I think what? I took us off track, so.
0: That's fine. We went up Segway Hill for that one. Yep. And yes, I did enjoy this because uh, this Tower of the Elephant was. It may not have been the first Robert E. Howard Conan story that I read, but it was one of the
1: first. Yep, it was my first when I finally got because, I mean, for those that go out uh, to used bookstores, even in used bookstores, really good, decent collections still cost a mint. (sighs) Yeah. So along comes Kindle. I'm like, oh, game on. So I finally got to start, and the Kindle allows you to do it in the chronology. Loose chronology, just Mm -hmm. to back that up. Totally worth it. This was the first story I read. It left an impression on me. Because you see Conan being Conan, even at that age.
0: Right. And, I mean, just taking everything as a whole, this is... I know I've said it in the past but I mean this really is pretty much your quintessential if you want to get to know Conan story. Yeah. With a, f- a few exceptions.
1: I think Queen of the Black Coast is up there though. Oh I yeah. Think...
0: But I mean like if you just want to figure out Conan as a character you get he's, he's brash, he's adventurous, he's a, you know a thief by nature, you get the very, very important uh, Sumerian uh, climbing ability.
1: And, and you get it, him just... I mean, right out of the gate, he, he kills a guy for mouthing him. Right. <laughs> no hesitation.
0: Yeah. And it it comes across a whole lot better in the pro story. I think, like, as far as getting across exactly what Conan did to him.
1: Mm-hmm. But... Well, Comics Code wasn't involved. That's there, true. So <laughs> that's why there's... Yeah. Later in the story, there's a major element that's removed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you get... You pretty much get everything you need to know except, you know, the wine, women, and song kind of aspect of Conan. Yeah. But again, that's not the point in this story, and Comics Code can't really... I'm surprised the Comics Code... I let you know exactly what he is, you know, what the the Kothian guy
1: is yeah. in town for. It's not even subtext; it's it's clear. Oh yeah, they actually straight up say it.
0: Yeah, it, it actually seems more like you know, like they point it out more in the issue than they do in the original story.
1: And this guy, the Kothian guy, is trying to tell him how to steal people, and they're like, "We we already know. We're in Zamora, dude." We've got this. We're in the no. mall, which is the seedy part of the seedy part of Zamora. Oh, yes. Like, I'm trying to find a modern day... This is, like, the worst area of, of a bad city. I don't want to insult anybody else's city, but mm-hmm. think about RoboCop. <laughs> this there is you the, go. the worst part yeah. of, of RoboCop's Detroit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and they're not... Uh, they don't have OCP ready to build Delta City.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, they have OCP. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah.
1: And this is this is where I mean it's, another good uh, slide analogy would be the the uh, cantina from Star Wars. There we it's, go. Lots of things happen yep. here. <laughs> Wretched hive of
0: just... scum and villainy. That is yep. exactly it. Yeah, and they're even in according to the comic. Oranjun. the city of Zamoran. So, uh, yeah, it's not even Shadazar, dude. This is, (laughs) well, Shadazar is actually, as I've always pictured anyway, Shadazar is kind of rich and glamorous, even though, you know, you know, it's just complete scum of the earth people that live there.
1: It always seemed kind of upscale with a underbelly, um, physically.
0: Mm-hmm. Shadows are like,
1: like the mob
0: bosses and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, they they do classy crimes. No, they they do every type of crime. But you know. Oh man. But yeah. Uh, Barry Windsor Smith's art on that dude that is just sitting there telling everybody how how he just how to kidnap people and yeah. Just like drunkenly belting out, I am the best at <laughs> kidnapping women and, you know, He's sending like them off. He's like Rick James.
1: Is what... <laughs> Say what now? He's like Rick James oh my God. in the middle of the bar. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. The celebration.
0: Yeah, because this is definitely the, the guy that would go back to somebody's apartment and be like, look at your new
1: couch. <laughs> let, me, let me put my boots on your couch. Mm-hmm. You can buy a new couch. I can't buy new legs.
0: <laughs> oh, and i love that conan just comes up and just nonchalantly even just puts his hand on the guy's shoulder and he's like i don't care about all your other stuff tell me about this treasure yeah.
1: <laughs> tell me more about this this sounds in this sounds like a challenge the, although that, that that's a double-edged sword no pun intended mm. that he's interested in this this heist but doesn't want to do anything about, you know, the people getting kidnapped. Conan's Conan's not out for other people. I mean, if he, will, he will be decent to you up until you're not decent to him. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he's usually not going to stick his neck out if he doesn't have to.
0: I always take that back to, like... It's not so much Conan doesn't understand the rules of civilization he doesn't understand the motivations of people yeah. who claim to be so civilized and they're just so much more barbaric than he is.
1: He tends to expose that a lot. And that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like the Spock character in Star Trek pointing out the oddities in humanity. Conan does that with civilization.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's not so much like, I mean, Conan doesn't, set out to be a hero by any means you know and i don't know that he you know either condones or doesn't all the behaviors that he sees it's one of those he's like i just keep to my own Mm -hmm. that you know this isn't where i'm from so i don't necessarily know the customs here well maybe this is commonplace yeah
1: well, he looks down on civilization, and civilization does do terrible things. Mm-hmm. So, how do you, how do you feel about Windsor Barry Windsor Smith's art when you look at it? In comparison to say, like John Buscema, who is most people will close oh. their eyes if they picture Conan, it's a John Buscema Conan.
0: Uh huh. Wow. This is like making me choose. <laughs>
1: Between Betty and Veronica? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, no. That That's an easy choice. That's Betty. Every time. Anybody who says different is lying. True. No, this is like trying to make me choose between Ron Friends and um, oh my god. My, uh, Walt Simonson. Sorry, Ooh. I drew a blank there because very it's like different things. Yeah. But it, it's one of those, like in my heart, it will always be Ron friends because that's who was drawing Thor when I first got on the book. That's how I picture everything in my mind. But as far as like from an, you know, an academic or art critique version, you know, your natural answer should be Simonson because, good lord, who doesn't love Simonson? Who else draws like Simonson?
1: True, very true. I'll make it, I'll uh, make it easy on you. I look at this as Barry Windsor Smith at the beginning of his career. The art he did later down the road is so far ahead of this. This is not bad by any means. I'm not I'm not going to put this down. This is technically fine. It's appealing. I have no problem with it. It was just a Barry Windsor Smith who wasn't ready to put his own identifiable stamp on it. He wanted to be a little bit more Kirby.
0: That's fair. Yeah. It's like, and plus, you know, as we said before, this is listed as Barry Smith. Mm-hmm. This is a, a young kid coming uh, into his own.
1: He just made me think, he, he's not Gandalf the white yet. He's still Gandalf right. the gray.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he hasn't yet become... Huh. The Barry Windsor Smith that we know. This is this is still that guy that's like, "Hey, I get to draw comics yeah. every month."
1: Oh, well, I got kicked out of the U.S. again, which that was an <laughs> immigration issue. It sounded more tawdry that way I put it, but most of this was also, yeah, that's a good point actually. That most of this was done by correspondence on two different coasts. So,
0: and to be fair, the the young style for. Barry Windsor Smith also works for a young Conan, mm-hmm. because, like you said, this isn't Barry Windsor Smith that we picture later on, and it's certainly it's it's certainly not the Buscemi Conan that we that we picture later on with the the bigger musculature, you know, the broader shoulders,
1: yeah, kind of the hulking figure,
0: right? That the you know, four hundred and fifty pound of pure muscle. You know, standing six foot ten, Conan.
1: I assume. This is... I assume you've already talked about why Barry Smith is on the the book, right? No, oh. no, I'm not. And why Roy Thomas is on the book?
0: Uh, no, because uh, you know I've been jumping around, and uh, you know my Conan coverage earlier on was on Savage Sword. Oh, gotcha. And that was. Yeah, that actually wasn't a Roy Thomas story.
1: So the way Conan came to be, and I had to look this up because I'd, I'd forgotten one part of it. Um, and if you if you want to reference something, there's a, there are a series of books called Barbarian Life. I know it's available on Kindle, the two out of the three, in which Roy Thomas just talks about writing this. Roy Thomas decided that there should be some sword and sorcery. They wanted to license a sword and sorcery book. So he originally went for Lynn Carter's Thongor. And I don't know if... I can't remember if he got declined or if they played... I think they played games with him. So he decided to go for Conan, which the estate was held... uh, I think it was Elspreg de Camp at that time. Um, Maybe not. Don't quote me on that. And he was told by Martin Goodman, we could do $150 an issue for licensing. Somehow, Roy Thomas calls an audible. Says, we're going to do $200 an issue because he felt like it was just too low. And he... Me, knowing that they'd have to save some money would, was like, okay, if I have to, I can write this. Knock some of the, you know, knock some of my page rate down and offset the cost. And he ended up having to write it because of that amount. That also meant that they could not hire the the first choice writer uh, artist, which was John Buscema, who was born to do this, who was a big Sword and Sorcery fan. But uh, Barry Smith had worked with Roy Thomas on a short story in which a character looks just like Conan, got the skull cap and everything, and I can't remember his name. It was a story in which the writer of that character was going to kill him off, so the character came out of the book and, spoiler, killed the writer. They're like, hey, he did an okay job, and he's newish, so we don't have to give him the higher page rate. Lo and behold, Barry Windsor Smith became their artist on Conan, and Roy <laughs> Thomas ended up writing up until one issue 115, something he was going to do part-time. All because he he called an audible and offered more money than what he was supposed to. And he was, Roy Thomas wasn't even a sword and sorcery fan. He had had seen Conan a little bit, but didn't quite catch his attention until later. So, and here he has this legendary run.
0: I know they had said, like, it was one of those things, uh, like, Marvel wasn't even sure they wanted to take the gamble.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Stan Lee you know, had like, no idea what sword and sorcery meant. So
0: Right. Yeah. there. It was one of those like, oh, uh, well, you know, I, I guess like we can, you know, kids want huh, superheroes. They want this, this Spider-Man guy. You know, they, they want huh, the Avengers. But I guess like maybe we can take a chance on this. And then, you know, Conan goes on to be their best-selling book for years upon years. years.
1: Yep. And, and I, I am convinced that there is a generation of people, probably around our age, that were introduced to Conan the same way we were with the Arnold movies. And then the Marvel comics beca- after that.
0: Mm. Uh, it was actually a long time before I knew about the comics. I knew the Arnold movies. I had heard of uh, the cartoon that they did in the later 80s, that Conan the Adventurer.
1: Which I've never but, seen in an episode. I don't know how that's going to translate to a children's cartoon. I can't put the two together. <laughs> I can't reconcile uh, that.
0: Conan the Adventurer works like a kid-friendly version of the Marvel comics. Okay. More or less. He doesn't get to kill anybody. His sword you know, send snake men back to the moon or something like that. <laughs> it it it's weird because it's star metal or something. Think think basically like if you made it, you know, kinda He Man esque. Gotcha. Now if you uh, are brave enough to watch Conan and the Young Adventurers, you might as well just accept that as somebody's D and D fan fiction with Conan in it. <laughs> doing the least Conan stuff possible. Because that's the early 90s when everything got some sort of tie-in cartoon.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Robocop had a tie-in cartoon, people. (laughs) Two of them.
0: (sighs) Which still actually works better than that Second Conan cartoon.
1: I can imagine. I'm only going to imagine. I'm not going to make the attempt. I'll be honest with you.
0: However, keep in mind, Police Academy had a
1: yes, a tie-in cartoon <laughs>
0: and toy line.
1: Yeah, that happened.
0: And I believe it happened like after they were done with the movies.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: You know, not not even like you know, 1984, <laughs> the height of those movies or anything. No, we waited till like 1992 when. When even Steve Gutenberg was like, Yeah, no, I can do better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I aspire to more. <laughs>
0: but
1: I once again got us off track. I'm good at that.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I, huh. Everybody lives for these, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're still listening and you haven't turned it off. <laughs> but oh, yeah. The, the fight in the bar where Conan kills that dude. I love it. It's just, you know, raucous, raucous. There's like a half-black panel and a scream, and then, yep, he's dead, and Conan's gone.
1: Happens in the darkness. Conan's already taken off. Yep. For a big dude, he can move fast. And then we've got the tower, and then there's a scene that was not in the original short story of Yara walking into the courtyard. With his feet mm-hmm. not touching. Now, it was mentioned in the conversation in the tavern, but this is I think this is actually a good touch.
0: Yeah. Uh, in the story, uh, you get that scene of Yara berating the guards and stuff.
1: But does not mention his feet? Does it not mention his feet right. touching? Okay, just making sure. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't believe it does. Because
1: no. that was a, an, a, an antidote told in the bard. And he I also sh- actually... shrank people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, now, the shrinking people, that should... I really... Think that should have, like, gotten a little more mention. But again, you know, uh, Roy Thomas only had like twenty-four pages to work with, yeah. so uh, I really do like the way they did it in the the comic, though, with Yara not not actually walking,
1: just floating. That's so cool. Yeah,
0: yeah that that lets you know that this huh, this Yara is a powerful dude. Because despite how often there are wizards in Conan stories, magic is actually still pretty rare in, in, well, in most any sword and sorcery story, magic is way more rare than it is in high fantasy.
1: Yeah. And then get to the courtyard, guard's dead, Taurus. I remember first time I read the story, I'm like, this is going to be a cool character. He's going to come back at some point. I know it. <laughs> Wah, wah, wah.
0: Yeah. They uh, kind of draw Taurus a little more buff than he is described in the the short story. Yeah,
1: he's supposed to be pudgy.
0: Yeah, he's supposed to be kind of past his
1: prime. And the Dark Horse, because Dark Horse adapts this as well across three issues instead of one, uh, and but it actually matches the acts of the story. Mm-hmm. He does. You can. He has the right more the more well-described body type.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, Taurus is, you know, relatively famous amongst, you know, he's, he's, he's probably like the urban legend that you hear people talk about in bars yeah. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody probably like that Taurus dude, he's, he
1: broke into Fort Knox, stole all the gold carried it out on his on his shoulders. <laughs> that's that's it. That you know? <laughs> he's probably done it well for himself, but his legend has actually grown due to reputation more than actual action.
0: Mhm. He killed 7 with one blow. <laughs> that kind of thing.
1: He's he's John Wick basically. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, cuz even Conan it's like I haven't been wandering that long and even I know you.
1: Yeah. But he, he proves his metal. Taurus ends up, I mean, taking out lions with black lotus dust. Yeah. Not, uh, they uh, don't even roar <laughs> when they fall down or they don't make a sound. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that it, you know, it's made from black lotus, but it's green, yellow cloud. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's, that's true in this version as well.
0: Mm. Uh, okay. What did you think of the, the way they color the tower?
1: See, in mine, I don't know, I, I assume we're pretty similar. It's blue. It looks like glass, which uh, in later panels, when they get higher up, you start seeing more of the jewels. That throws... Yeah. Because it's also drawn to look more smooth than it is, which in the, the, right. in the book, in the story, it actually is, but then you see textures when you're up close. It's inconsistent, mm-hmm. I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah. The, the psychedelic colors on it is what got me... Is yours really just blue the entire time? It's blue time?
1: with some lime green and a little bit of pink.
0: Oh, wow. Mine, my version has like rainbow colors all through it. Yes, it does. Like oil slick.
1: Bear in mind that, yeah, they they went through and they... And in the time that they published that reprint, it made sense. Because coloring techniques had changed so much to try to enhance it. Mm-hmm. It, it isn't bad. I just didn't like it. It was a little too much. It, it didn't retain the feel of the books as I read them. See, I,
0: I don't like the oil slick look. It's, it's way too bright. Mm-hmm. Like that, thats not how I picture it in my mind when I'm reading the story. Obviously, but it, and I mean that's, that's neither here nor there because I'm no, no authority on that sort of thing, but, yeah, it. it It seems like how could you sneak into anything with something that's lit up like a Ferris wheel?
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it, too. And and like you said in the story, I did not picture it that. It's nighttime. This shouldn't be glaring. Because even as they're climbing up it, you can see that the backgrounds are blacked out. Like, this is so bright that you can't... It's like you're at a spotlight.
0: Yeah, this is... It's like this tower is Las Vegas, and everything else around it is, you know, just... The surrounding deserts.
1: Yeah. It could be worse. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Man, Taurus
0: dies quick in this. Yeah. In the in the comic. Well,
1: fairly. Quick I mean, no, he this... dies
0: pretty quick in this. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say, yeah, it's, he's not around much for the story. The story moves very fast too.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. God, when is there a Robert E. Howard? Conan story that doesn't move fast. No,
1: usually, yeah, you set your expectations. If you've not read them, you pretty much jump right in. It's rare yeah. that there's a, a slow first act or a first act. Yeah.
0: And, unless you're reading like Red Nails or Hour of the Dragon or something that that is intended to be a longer work. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much going to be like, okay, here's, yeah. Yeah, here's what's happening. Here comes Conan. Here's the adventure. Yeah.
1: Well, Red Nails even starts out Pretty quick because you're mm-hmm. pretty pretty right at the front. You're into an action sequence with well, I won't spoil that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, like, wait, does I was running through my head, and I'm like, oh yeah, that does show up like yep first thing first thing because that's what motivates the story to happen.
1: Yep, and then after that, there's a little bit of a lag, but then you're on to the city.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Taurus died then- like a young G. <laughs>
0: don't worry folks red nails will get covered eventually it's just somewhere down the line they can't all be Conan stories Yeah. (laughs) so far most of them have been but you know they can't all be I
1: was trying to see yes I couldn't remember if they actually when Taurus dies if they did the two marks on the back of his neck but yep
0: spot Mm -hmm. on yeah and I like how they they really um, you know kind of I'm about to pass it. Yeah, they, they really zoom in on
1: it. Mm-hmm. Like But they don't point it out. He oh there it is. Yeah. He says it in the, yeah,
0: not a wound on him except for two, huh, two tiny wounds on the base of his neck.
1: That could be anything.
0: Yeah. Conan's just like, Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll have to go see what <laughs> you, know, you know. I'll never find out what it was standing out here. <laughs>
1: no, that, you know, and that's and that's that's pretty much his mindset. Yeah. I'm not going to do but much a good
0: person would have just been like, "Yes, yeah, screw it. I ain't doing it. I'm going to
1: go ahead and climb back down the way. I came. Yeah.
0: I didn't notice until uh, just now looking at it, you know, uh, in the, in the story, they mentioned that Conan takes his sandals off to f- climb the rest of the way up the tower. Mm-hmm.
1: He's still wearing them.
0: Well, it, he is. And he isn't like in some panels, you know, he's still got the straps, but it's like he doesn't have the sandals on his feet, oh, which doesn't make sense because the straps are attached to the sandals yeah,
1: I think in mine it's it's more consistent yeah I think there there's a couple of spots where the sole of the sandal is colored wrong but
0: yeah, I think that's it I think you're right yeah but you know speaking of the uh, base of the neck, sorry, I got sidetracked there on sandals. <laughs> Yeah, that was my Tarantino moment, folks.
1: Ew, Enjoy it. I understood that reference. <laughs> yeah,
0: We get the halfway, you know, cover moment here where Conan gets to fight the giant spider. Yep.
1: Yeah. This and is... That is... I'm trying to go back through. Okay, I was about to say it's more intense in the book, but this is actually pretty spot on, or in the story.
0: Mm-hmm. Um... How does the webbing look in your version?
1: Um initially fine and then as you as it gets thicker it's bluish
0: okay it stays consistently that uh, white yellow off-white kind of look but yeah as, as it gets thicker it it seems less webbing and more net
1: yes. to me yeah I, it, look, I mean, it looks I, it doesn't look like spider-man's web it looks like ropes. It looks like uh, mm-hmm. the, the ring uh, in the ring around a boxing. Uh, sorry, the ropes around <laughs> yeah. a boxing ring is what I'm trying to get out of my mouth.
0: Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because, you know, it is supposed to be thick and heavy because this is a giant freaking spider folks. Yeah. If you're not seeing the issue, this thing is, Um, well, I mean, not if you're talking like wagon, but yeah, but I mean like if you're talking like, total wingspan, even though it doesn't have wings, you know, from like leg to leg, uh, this easily over six foot. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But, you know, as far as its abdomen itself, it's it's bigger around than Conan. So from like head to the back is probably three feet, four feet, something like that. It's pretty good size.
1: I can't open this book with my wife around because she's terrified of spiders. This will give her nightmares.
0: This thing is, is easily bigger than a small child. Yeah. So, you
1: know, we're talking like probably, like Great Dane size.
0: Yeah. There we go. It's
1: nothing to mess with. And, and Conan, I mean, he wins just by the skin of his teeth. Just by throwing, <laughs> kills it by throwing the treasure at him.
0: Yeah. Of all things, that that's actually a creative way to to kind of kill the spider. Because generally, you know, you just think of Conan like, oh, you know, I'll hack and slash.
1: You know, it just hit me, I, and I've read the, the short story many, you know, a few times, I've read this many times, and it never dawned on me, even though it's kind of pointed out. Conan has scaled the wall of the tower, which has many fine jewels that could fetch him a good spot of gold. He's in this room where he's killed the spider, full of treasure, plenty of treasure. He could just take that and go. But Conan can't do that. He has to see what's beyond.
0: Right, and he's not in it to get rich. No. He's in it to prove a point. You know, because everybody tells him you know, it, that jewel is impossible to steal. No one can do it.
1: Technically, they're right, though, by the end of the story. That's true. Yeah. Irony. It's almost like O. Henry wrote this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Yagkosha. I had to look at the notes. Yeah. Sorry.
1: When you first read I don't know if you read the the prose story first or this one first when you first read it what was your reaction to yagosha uh,
0: I read the prose story first and I could not picture him as green no even though it spells it out
1: I always picture you know, even it as in, a dark in the pro story like a traditional right. elephant
0: yeah but yeah I was picturing like a a Ganesha sort of uh, figure. Yeah.
1: And I was pretty okay with that until he starts telling his story and then I'm like, what am I reading?
0: <laughs> Dianetics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Yog story that he and uh, some of his fellow elephant alien people flew from their huh, flew from their planet mm-hmm. on their wings through space but for somehow once they got to earth the atmosphere disintegrated their wings and they were trapped here
1: yep now that just came out of your mouth think about that
0: <laughs> yeah and it's it's kind of one of those like is he just is he trying to relate it in the most simplest terms that conan can understand like is he just saying wings when he really means a spaceship or did they quite literally fly through space I've always wings.
1: I've always assumed it was a different dimension.
0: Yeah, I mean it it's no secret that Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft were pen pals mm-hmm. and bounced story ideas off of each other and that kind of stuff. And they both, you know, really essentially Conan is in the uh, Cthulhu mythos, but just indirectly. And an an elephant Headed creature that may or may not have had wings at one time. <laughs>
1: that's on brand.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that. That's that's like almost like the dollar store version of. Cthulhu <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, you know, this this thing only has one monstrous deformity. Amateurs. It only has you know yeah it only has certain powers on how to keep somebody alive for centuries. It doesn't consume souls or inspire madness. Pfft. Yeah,
1: You're not even trying. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's like releasing an action figure now that has, you know, four points of articulation.
1: Which they're doing. And I'm ashamed to say I've started buying those. Like the House <laughs> Pulse, Marvel figures. They're like Secret Wars. I'm like, we mm-hmm. have Marvel Legends, which is greatly sculpted and articulated. I want these things. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Marvel... Marvel Legends that at, at a minimum probably have twenty points of articulation. Yeah, you, know, you can pose this thing in any sort of imaginable way. Or here, have this you know thing that barely even moves its head. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but that's that's a good allegory too, because this is it's like HP Lovecraft light. Yeah. And this is one of the instances it doesn't happen all the time. Robert E. Howard doesn't necessarily explain much of anything sometimes. Like, Conan will face some sort of beast in the pits, and I can't remember the name of the story. Never explains it. It's this blob that tries to kill Conan's girl. Conan mm-hmm. fights it off. Doesn't explain it. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Young Koshu actually has a, a backstory.
0: And, and what gets me is Conan doesn't even question it. No. He just, hmm. He's just kind of like rolling it around in his head. He's like, there is a giant green person with an elephant head. And speaking of, Conan has never seen an elephant.
1: Correct. Yeah, he's heard about it, it's, them.
0: Yeah, it's it's a giant creature with a tail on both ends. And at that, he thinks whoever was telling him about it may have been lying. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that's pointed out in the in the short story more than in here because, quite frankly. Um, as he puts it, he was told it by a Shemite, and Shemites are known liars, which is part of the uh, Robert E. Howard racism yeah. aspects that are kind of in there. So, yeah, sorry about that, folks.
1: A lot of it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Buyer beware. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, Conan just, he doesn't question it. It's
1: I think at this point now that he's got this thing in front of him and he's realized it's not a statue, he's like, okay, whatever, everything's possible. Yeah. And they, they, um, they put in Yagkosha asking him to kill him. They leave out a step in the process that Conan had to take out Yagkosha's heart, and then take the blood in and put it over the the heart of the elephant gem. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I understand completely why they cut that out.
0: Yeah, that's very much uh, comics code no no.
1: Well, I when I read the the pro story first, and then I was able to read this, you know, the issue, and I'm like, okay, I wonder how they're going to handle that. <clears throat> Pretty much how I thought. We're just going to sidestep it.
0: I love Conan's uh, comment, though. Yeah, you yeah. know, fare you well, Kosha. I never killed another foe so unwilling, or with so unwilling a thrust. Yeah,
1: he doesn't want to. He he. This this elephant guy's did nothing to him.
0: Yeah, and it's like. Like Conan's just met this dude, you know, he really couldn't care less. But at the same time, after hearing that story and and definitely, you know, Yokosha's done no malice toward him. It's just kind of like, okay, I mean I'll I'll do your final wishes here, but really wish you know anybody else in the world would have done it instead of me.
1: Yeah. Because it's not even like hunting a deer, where there's food or provisions to be made. This is just senseless killing.
0: Right, and and Conan doesn't even really understand that, you know, this is the only way Yagkosha can get his revenge
1: mm-hmm. or find peace. <laughs> yeah. At all.
0: Yeah, he's just doing what he's told because, you know, the wise elephant dude told him to do it,
1: as we all should. Yeah. a wise elephant tells you to do something, you do it. <laughs>
0: At this point, if an, you know, if an alcoholic elephant tells me to do something, <laughs> I'll probably do it because
1: that's an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing yeah. an alcoholic oh. elephant now. <laughs> that will be my takeaway from all of this. Yes. Because now I'm picturing Kosha having have knocked a few back and he's decided to tell this tall tale and thought he would bluff the Sumerian. You don't bluff a Sumerian. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, did you take that Yara is just sleeping, or is he su- supposed to be pretty much high out of his gourd?
1: He's high out of his gourd, to some extent. He's doing some sort of meditation.
0: Because I kind of, yeah, I, I, I kind of got the feeling that uh, Howard was pretty much giving us code that Yara was basically hanging out in his own opium den. Probably, kind of yeah. And given the way that Smith draws him here,
1: he's chasing the dragon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, especially since he's got the, you know, the, the big bald head, but still long hair. He's got the the crazy pointy eyebrows and pointed goatee, Mandarin style rings all on his fingers with the long fingernails.
1: Yeah. I mean, this this, this is short, have, shorthand.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then Yara She's gets that. what's coming to him.
0: Yeah, that is a a bit of a freaky kind of thing. Okay, yeah, in, inside the gym, Kosha does have his wings again. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Okay. That's
1: why I always assumed it was another dimension that he came from, and I, right. I, I hadn't tied it to H.P. Lovecraft until you did. And like that makes total sense. Yep, Yara is going to be tortured for a very long time.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing. Like. Like when they uh the Wikia gave that synopsis and said that Yara's dead, it's like I don't think so. I think Yog Kosha's gonna keep him around to be tortured for yeah. a few centuries.
1: Yeah. It's like Yog Kosha on a on a traditional level. Yeah, he's probably dead, but again, interdimensional beings, not to be confused with the non existent fourth Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> Only three. I will die on that hill. <laughs>
0: I will attest there's a, another one, but that goes to a different podcast. That, that, that's me equating fan films ah. with being real.
1: <laughs> fan films are acceptable. But when your hero literally goes after the Holy Grail, the quest of all quests, and then literally yeah, rides it. off into the sunset, your movie series is done.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you've you peaked. You cannot go any further.
1: Yeah. Kind of like Yakosha and Yara. They're not going anywhere. Yeah.
0: That's why the story of King Arthur, right, everything from uh, drawing the sword to establishing Camelot and all that, everything from there is a downhill slope.
1: Oh yeah. Because you,
0: you know, you, you don't find the grail. Your best friend cheats on you. With your wife. Cheats <laughs> you know, with your wife. She goes off to
1: become a nun. Uh-huh. Your, your sister has son her son. Back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah your bastard son your bastard inbred son comes back to murder you but hey you get to sleep in avalon for a while countless centuries <laughs> until you're needed again to reclaim england or something
1: wow it's really depressing
0: <laughs> oh and sadly there there is a, an arthur story Slated to be on the podcast eventually.
1: Nothing wrong with that. I've got an Arthur story on my podcast as well. It just involves Iron Man and Dr. Doom. And Dr. Doom leads an army of the dead.
0: I haven't actually read the one on mine yet. I just picked it up on a lark. Nice. So, yeah, this should be fun.
1: So but... were you surprised when after Conan puts down the jewel, everything goes psychedelic? <laughs> I don't know if it's uh... like that on your in the coloring of your book. It looks like a, it looks, it's page 19, the very bottom. It looks like a, an, a blacklight poster.
0: Uh, where the, where the jewel starts to
1: fade fade away? Yep. Yeah. It's like Magic yeah, Carpet that... Ride is playing.
0: Oh, yeah, that, it's just as bright as the, hey, they colored the tower. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's,
1: it's, um.
0: It's somebody watching uh, Pink Floyd videos
1: <laughs> on Loop. They're trying to sync it up to a pink to the wall.
0: Mm.
1: I have done that. Does it work?
0: The, with with, with Wizard, it Wizard of Oz and the wall? Yeah. Or, or Dark Side of the Moon, I mean. It was
1: Dark Side of the Moon, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, surprisingly well. It's very entertaining. And no, you do not have to be under the influence of any substances to enjoy it.
1: Oh, that's even better.
0: I'm sure for those who do partake, it does probably enhance their enjoyment, but since I'm a bit of a square.
1: <laughs> L7. I'm, I'm right yep. there with you.
0: And, and it's no surprise this ends like traditional Conan stories do. Once the adventure is done, it's done.
1: Yeah. Abruptly Which, come I mean, to an end. I think that when I read Phoenix on the Sword the first time, I'm like, is that, did that just end? I mean, i mean, how did he get it Citadel already? Yeah. And it's
0: like, this is, this is Howard's style. And I'm sure part of that involved, you know, the, the, the style of writing for the pulps at the time, mm-hmm. because, you know, you never knew if these adventures were going to happen more than once. If, if people would want to hear from this character again or what they'd, They just read it for the... It was the episode of the week. Yeah. Not, you know, the season-long story. It was... It was
1: Twilight Zone. Had Right.
0: Well, I I was going to say more like the A-Team.
1: Ooh, even better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Literally, someone had a problem. They somehow knew how to contact the A-Team. A-Team comes in and fixes it. End of this episode. (laughs)
1: Love it when a plan comes together, and here's your local news.
0: Right. As opposed to Dallas, where we will have to wait all summer to find out who shot
1: Jr. Man. Uh, people of a, of a, of a, who weren't alive then will never know how prevalent... That was like the summer of 89 in Batman. That that was the previous wave of, of fascination. <laughs> my... Uh, my uh... My major
0: quibble: Anytime somebody tells me, "Oh my God, I had to wait a week to figure out," you know, the the ending of this two-part episode or whatever, I always go back to Star Trek: The Next Generation. Best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. Yes, (laughs) I will forever call that the longest summer ever. Yes, because I was fully convinced, you know, things were going down and.
1: We're not the whole gone. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was like the entire series is going to change and I'm scared.
1: <laughs> and it was almost true.
0: Yes. There, yeah. There I had no idea at the so. time. Yeah. I had no idea at the time it was contract negotiations and all that.
1: Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page on that. Cause I had to explain that to my wife that, you, d- you didn't always know at that time when seasons ended because it wasn't – you didn't have the internet, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Yeah. So I went back next week, like, waiting for the part two. I'm like, wait a minute. Why, why am I seeing the beginning of the season again? Ooh. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, I, I fully knew it was the, the season finale because at that time we picked up TV Guide every week.
1: Gotcha. We had the newspaper um, insert, so it was not as descriptive.
0: Yeah. But I had no idea that kind of ending was coming, and it was just like, you know, my my. What was that ninety?
1: Hold on, season three. Yes, nineteen ninety.
0: Yeah, yeah, that broke my little nineteen ninety brain.
1: Well, we had uh, I we hadn't had a, uh, anything like that before or since.
0: Right. the The only other thing I will ever argue you know like bring that bring up in arguments even similar to that is the weight between dr who episodes
1: that's oh like since 2005 yeah i can oh and, and that isn't even you know like literally
0: very... between 1989 and
1: 2000 oh gotcha see i didn't become a dr who f- uh, fan and I, I will not call myself a who and just not because it's Anything I'm, you know, I'm just not that big of. I can't be that big of a fan. There are people who've done this their whole life. I'm not going to insult them Mm -hmm. by calling myself that. So it's out of respect. Uh, But it was it was later down the road. It was Matt Smith, and yet I bucked the trend because David Tennant is my favorite doctor. So my first doctor is not my favorite.
0: Uh, Don't feel bad. My first doctor is not my, quote unquote, favorite either.
1: Who was your first doctor though?
0: Uh. That's a tricky question. Okay. (laughs) Because when I was a kid, our local... and Yeah, I'm sorry, folks. This is going way off topic, but I don't care. This is fun. Uh, When I was was a kid, our local PBS station would show uh, Doctor Who reruns, and they would show uh, Pertwee, Tom Baker, and um, Davison. Okay. Like, but sometimes completely out of order. Like, you know, depending on who was doing the programming that week, you might get an entire story. You might get the first two parts of a Tom Baker and two parts of a Pertwee.
1: Wow. That's a mess.
0: Yeah. You know, like it was, so as far as, like, uh, imprinting themselves on my childhood brain, Davison was actually my, my doctor at the time. Gotcha. But Paul McGann is actually my favorite doctor.
1: And there's, there's I've, I've not seen the original movie, so I have very little experience, but I've, I've heard between you and uh, he who will not be named mere redeemable, <laughs> I don't want to feed his ego, so I'm not going to mention Shag's name. It's
0: um, okay. He doesn't like fantasy that much. So he... He's,
1: he he'll never know. This. No, he'll know. His ears will perk up. Mm-hmm. But you and, and he have... I think maybe you've had conversations about what a great... And David Ace Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. So I, I... At some point I need to check this out. I know there's bootlegs out there that I need to check out.
0: If you... Like, basically, if you throw out all of the concepts that were solely... Fox and what they tried to, to make a series out of, it still holds up as a really good Doctor Who story. But the audio dramas is where he really gets to shine.
1: Yeah. He has time. He has material. Mm-hmm. Other than 90 minutes of commercial interrupted movie, so.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, to be a... Back to, huh, try to be a pilot for a, a show that is mid-90s Fox sci-fi.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it's it's still pretty good because you know, bear in mind many of us tuned in for that Generation X TV movie. Guilty. And Matt Frewer... Style shenanigans aside, I actually found myself liking it.
1: Yeah, I was hoping it would be picked up. Yeah. Not think it's there good. Were... I don't know if it would hold up. No, there, there were
0: so many things I argued about in it. but And I was not even that big into the Generation X series. Like, I knew X-Men, but...
1: We've gotten way off track. (laughs) It's the gift, people.
0: Uh, This is where adventures take you, folks. Yes.
1: I don't even know how to like segue back into Conan. We've gone so far, like we just got to be abrupt with it. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: basically, short version, folks, this is a great Conan story. It's a great adaptation of a Conan story. The art is beautiful, and. We barely even, we didn't even talk about uh, uh, John Buscema on inks. Or Sal sorry, Was it? Sal Buscema, sorry. Yeah.
1: No, it, it it enhances Barry Windsor Smith. Uh, um, of course, Sal Buscema is one of my favorite Hulk artists, and I can see his line work a little bit in here. I mean, Conan's not built like that, but I get that same vibe that it's it's crisp.
0: And, you know, of course, you know, normally on this show, I have a literature recommendation or a, a movie or something to watch to go with it. This one's obvious, everybody. Yeah, Read the original Tower of the Elephant story. It, and, I mean, you can find it in pretty much every Conan collection these days.
1: Pretty much, yeah. The cheaper paperbacks. Or on Kindle, where you can yeah. buy whole collections for very cheap if you're not adverse to reading digitally. Uh, I picked up a, a
0: collection that tied into the um, the more recent Conan movie with Aquaman in it. Mm. And uh, Tower of the Elephant was one of the stories in, included.
1: Makes sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. Quote, unquote, stories that inspired the movie. And it's like, really?
1: That didn't happen w- in this one.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, I watched this movie. It's not a bad movie. As far as Conan movies go, it's not a bad movie it's it's definitely not picking up any of the stories that are in here because the stories in here are like Tower of the Elephant and Red Nails and Queen of the Black Coast.
1: And this is more like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's like Kroll. <laughs> like, this is fantasy, but it doesn't entirely make sense. Yeah. Oh. First part of the movie, though pretty excellent the the battle scene at the very beginning is probably worth the, mm-hmm. the very cheap price I paid for my copy
0: <laughs> the battle scene yeah and again this is a, a movie that uh, showcases the, the three stages of Conan mm-hmm. because you get the first bit where Conan is a child in Samaria the majority of the movie focuses on Conan thats out in the world and of course you get the typical epilogue of Conan will one day be a king by his own hand. Yep. But we're never going to tell that movie. Uh, Never tell that story with the movies.
1: There was talk at one point about Arnold coming back for that, and I wanted it so bad. Just to complete an actual tr- Conan trilogy. Mm hmm. But I don't think we're ever going to see that. No, no. Terminator money, money exists. Well. I <laughs> wonder how much <laughs> they paid him for that part, is what I'm wondering. Like, can we not crowdfund this? <laughs>
0: Oh. All right, folks. So that pretty much sums everything up for this. Unfortunately, Dave and I are going to have to part ways here. So before you go, do let everybody know where they can find you online. Yep.
1: Um, most readily available, most current, would be Dave's Marvel Universe, which is at the aptly named Dave'sMarvelUniverse.com where i read a single marvel comic each episode uh, as long as it was published in the 1980s although i could have some leeway on that (laughs) (laughs) but that's that's the main show i'm doing now
0: all righty well dave i do appreciate you joining me on this it was fun to discuss you're going to have to come back and join me for more adventures. Oh,
1: anytime I can. And I appreciate you hearing me on Twitter and, and making this happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yes, folks. Uh, Dave was one of those people that saw this show and said, Hey, I want to be on.
1: <laughs> I want to talk about Conan.
0: Mm-hmm. And by golly, we did. Yes.
1: Amongst yeah, other things pro- too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we may yet again in the future.
1: I'm always available for that.
0: So I'll take a quick promo break and come back with some listener feedback.
1: Hey, listen to Longbox Crusade. Prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night looking for justice. Blind justice. A guardian devil. <coughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know why I do that to myself. Look, none of that is true. I'm not Daredevil, Marvel's blind lawyer by day and superhero by night. I'm J. David Weider, But you can call me Dave. I used to read Daredevil comics, enjoy Daredevil comics, and talk about Daredevil comics, and then I kinda stopped. Well, now I'm back with a new version of the old show. Daredevil Legends is the show where Daredevil, his allies, and his enemies all get put under a scope, get examined, and get discussed on a weekly basis. It's everything that you once loved in a Daredevil podcast, and much, much more to boot. So join me and Marvel's Man Without Fear and his enemies and allies every Sunday at DaredevilPodcast.com, iTunes, and the podcatcher of your choice. Take the dare at DaredevilPodcast.com, Daredevil Legends, the podcast without fear.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks so much to J. David Weeder, or, you know, you can call him Dave, for uh, joining me to talk about some Conan. It was really fun. So, this is, of course, the feedback portion. Thank you, everyone, for liking, sharing, retweeting, all those fun things last episode. As a reminder, last episode was Red Sonia, Volume 2, Issues 1 and 2 from Marvel, 1983. And apparently, a lot of you people love Red Sony because there's like 50 names on this list, and I am so thankful for it. So without further ado, let's get into the feedback, thanks to everyone that shared the show. That includes Nick Baldwin, Ed Moore, Pat Sampson, Mike Garvey, Gene Hendrix, Jackson Zelda, Jerry Green... And his co-host, Chris, both from the Professor Frenzy Show. Weird Warriors Podcast. Long Box of Darkness. Billy Delicious from Magazines and Monsters. That I also got to co-host on recently. (laughs) King Dinosaur. Radioactive Dinosaur. Dinosaur Dell. I'm getting invaded by dinosaurs, folks. Daniel Navasunday. BB Bally, I'm sorry, B Bally at BBally81, Into the Weird, Back in the Bronze Age, Luis Gomez, Wednesday Comics, Drew the Savage Ape Man, Christy Hoppt, Portugoth, at Laredo Art, oh, at Laredo Art, 2018, uh, Ricardo Maldonado. Mr. Thornton, Gary Lowe, Max Reads Comics, Alessio Bacotti, Gius Geis, uh, I'm sorry, uh, G I U S, What's Shaken with Shainer, Arcturus the Moo Miss Ms. Ella Warren, Pra Mim Chris Lydon, Bill at Spy Vinyl, Fabric from Feathers, Nathaniel Gomes, Deer Watchers, a Marvel What If podcast, Andrette F.G., Ryan L., John is Watching Cartoons, Bill from the Bat Pod, Brooms at JL Brooms, Eugene R. Hendricks, Johnny at Johnny nine seven two three eight nine five four, all new SUX, Richard Mist Wanderer, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, and Geek Savage. We got some feedback too, folks. There was an email from Jason Zeller. He says I really enjoyed the podcast. The Marvel Red Sonya is another of my favorites. He also likes Conan, folks. I really liked her character and was always rooting for her. Looking back, it does sadden me that her comic series never lasted more than a few issues. It kept getting cancelled, I presume, due to decreased sales. I really do admire how Roy Thomas managed to create what we know as Red Sonja from Robert E. Howard's original material, and how, well, uh, and how naturally she became an integral part of the world of Conan. It's almost as though she was always meant to be there. The cover to the first issue is one of the best. Those types of covers always pull you in and make you want to buy the issue. I feel like the 70s and 80s had those amazing covers that always catch your attention, like Conan the Barbarian, Savage Sword of Conan, House of Mystery, Sergeant Rock, etc. It is too bad that the covers and the stories do not always align. As for the story, I agree with you. It is a lot packed into just a few issues, probably a six-issue story in today's comics. What I really enjoy about these 70s and 80s Conan and Red Sonja issues is that it is easy to just drop in, get a quick synopsis of what is going on, and be able to enjoy the story. I did feel sorry for Zora as well as it was uh, so important for Red Sonja to be her sister, but alas, was not true. I did like how they tied it to the same... Oh, you're going to make me try and say it again, aren't you? Oh, Jason. Tied in the same Skakach... Skathic? Yeah, goddess who gave her the sword-fighting powers. It is also interesting that they tried to do... To the. It is also interesting they tried to also do the Valeria origin in this issue... But I agree with you, the timeline seems out of whack. Until the next High Adventure. Well, thanks, Jason. And uh, just to follow that up, Jason also gave us a review over on iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, or whatever it's called. He gave a five-star review that says, Clinton does it again! A great podcast covering the fun comic genre of fantasy. Very enjoyable commentary and honest reviews. Well, thank you, Jason. I really appreciate that. And not to be outdone, we got an email from Professor Allen. He says, I was so excited to see that you were covering Red Sonja number 1 because I knew that I had a Red Sonja number 1 down in the basement. I tried to temper my enthusiasm knowing that Marvel released various volumes so I wanted to make sure it was the 1983 edition, the one you were covering. And there it was, Red Sonja number 1, cover dated August 1983. Perfect! $1 cover price script by Tom DeFalco, but darn you, Marvel! Who knew that back in 1983 you began two series starring the She-Devil with a sword? Well, I didn't know that either until you started talking about a totally different issue from about six months before. Well, I'll get over my disappointment eventually. But that being said, you did a fine job covering the issues you did, even though I don't own any of them. Take care and keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate you sticking it through anyway, Alan. Uh, I honestly didn't realize Volume 3 came out just a few months later it would have made more sense to just be like, hey, no, um, Volume 2 has just been delayed. But, uh, you know Marvel. Over on Twitter, Chris from the Professor Frenzy Show said, spot-on comments regarding the art and the story. Ryan L. says, oddly enough, I have three random issues of Red Sonya, and these are two of them. Crazy. Well, you know, sometimes it lucks out that way, Ryan. John is watching cartoons says, I always loved She-Devil with a sword as a tagline. Me too. That's uh, it's just a really neat neat turn of phrase to kind of put with the character. And the Weird Warriors podcast says, Days of High Adventure podcast pays a visit to Red Sonia, but maybe not in the pages of the series you expect. Dare you... Yeah, dare you find out just where he has ventured? (laughs) Oh, well, I appreciate it, guys, all of you. That is so wonderful. And if I said anybody's name wrong earlier, please do let me know, because I'm terrible with names, and I would love to actually say it the right way. So, I appreciate everybody sticking with me. I hope you had fun listening to this episode. But I need to tell you what's coming up next time, don't I? So, hold on just a moment. Let me rifle through the short box of fantasy here. And it looks like we are finally jumping ship from Marvel over to DC. We are going to be looking at... Arak, Son of Thunder, annual number one. Will it... Be just as adventurous as Conan and all that? I don't know, we'll just have to wait and see. So until next time, I appreciate you joining me here, and I hope you will return for more Days of High Adventure.